0: I have the honor and uh, and the privilege to introduce one of our own. (laughs) Or at least that's what I like to say. Brian Cosby is going to speak with us today. Brian serves as senior pastor at Wayside Presbyterian Church in Signal Mountain, Tennessee. And he's an adjunct professor both at uh, RTS in Atlanta as well as uh, Reformation Bible College in Sanford, Florida. Brian is a chaplain in the United States Air Force Reserves. And uh, he's a council member of the Gospel Reformation Network, which we are a member and uh, and is a content writer also for Air Ministries for those that follow Ligonier. And uh, he is also the author of over a dozen books, maybe, yeah, or more. <laughs> and He's credited with that. And, they, uh, and most importantly, and acclaimed, I'm sure by him as well as us, he was the former past, uh, youth pastor at Carriage Lane Presbyterian Church. <laughs> so... Uh, not to go any farther, uh, one of his greatest accomplishments is he has a wife named Ashley and they have three children. And uh, please, come.
1: Thank you. Well, so, I'm so happy to be here uh, with you all. It is a great joy and privilege uh, that I have to come and to open up the scriptures with you all. And if you have your copies of God's word, I invite you to turn to the. Book of Isaiah, Isaiah fifty-five. Isaiah fifty-five. And I think this is on page five hundred and seventy-six in your pew Bibles. I do want to thank Vic and the missions committee? And it's always been I, I I told Norm this yesterday, that I will always be grateful for my time here and how God used this church in my life in forming me and making me love Jesus more, and really showing me a model of a healthy church so when I went to Tennessee, I was able to implement many of the things that I learned here, and so I'm so grateful. Global Missions is the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ among all nations through making disciples of Jesus and establishing local churches so that all nations Would glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Global missions is the spread of the gospel to all nations through making disciples of Jesus and establishing and planting local churches so that all nations would glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But we will not understand that mission that God has given us to go into the nations unless we first understand His mercy toward us in the gospel. This text before us in Isaiah 55 not only gives us clarity to the content of that message that we take, but also the confidence in our going. The theme of Isaiah really is God's purpose of grace for sinners, because Israel at this time, like you know, some of the other prophets mentioned, they had fallen into sin, specifically idolatry, and they were chasing after the idols of their world. And it says in chapter 1 of Isaiah that they had despised, it said, despised the Holy One of Israel. That word for despise in the original means to count as worthless. It doesn't mean to hate necessarily, but to count as worthless. They were counting worthless God, a true and living God. And so he was going to discipline them through temporal judgment, but they would come back and they would see in and through this whole letter pointing to one who would be called a suffering servant, this royal Messiah who we know to be the Lord Jesus. And so in this chapter, particularly in Isaiah 55, we see these two aspects that I think are very helpful and practical for us today. When we think about missions, again, one in relating to the content of the message that we take, the actual content, the invitation or the call. And then on the other hand, what kind of confidence do we have in taking that message, not only globally, but to your friends and neighbors and the places that you live, work, and play? And so, if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word, Isaiah 55? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me, hear, that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, You shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts." Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, that goes out from my mouth, and shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is God's holy inspired and inerrant word. You may be seated. Today there is much confusion over the mission of the church. Some have said that the mission of the church is renewing the community. In other words, planting gardens and building houses, that kind of thing. Some have said that the mission of the church is building the kingdom, whatever that means. The Bible, when it speaks of the kingdom, speaks of inheriting the kingdom. It speaks of entering the kingdom. It speaks of proclaiming the kingdom. But it's Jesus, let's be clear, who actually builds the kingdom. He was building his church. Some have argued that the mission of the church is social justice, feeding the poor, and racial reconciliation. Some have argued the mission of the church is just loving people, and that through loving one another, then people will be saved. And while all of these are good things, and actually you can argue that any humanitarian organization can do any of those, the exclusive mission given to the church Is to make disciples of Jesus. Really, it's captured in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. The going, the baptizing, that is the enfolding of those into the church under that banner and mark of baptism that you do not belong to the world, but you belong to God and His church, and of teaching them to observe, Jesus says, all that I've commanded you. And He's with us till the end of the age. That's the mission of the church. That's the mission. But what is that message that we take? And in this text, in Isaiah 55, we see a very gracious and covenantal invitation. I'm saying that invitation, but when you hear that word invitation, I want you to think of a stronger term. It is really a command. But it's a gracious invitation, it's a covenantal invitation, and it's an invitation for all people. Not just one kind of people group. It's gracious. In fact, if you look at the very first part of the chapter, in chapter 55 there, it says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Without money, without price. In other words, it's free for you. Come to the Lord. And it's free because your price of admission has been paid by another the suffering servant, even two chapters before this, in chapter twenty-three, it talks about this suffering servant, and on him was laid the iniquity of us all. He has provided for us, and we see this gracious invitation through the history of the church in the hymns of the church. I've been so grateful and for Alex and, and, and even hearing of you before I came here, and man, what a what a way to lift us all up. In music, And we see this throughout the hymns of the church, this gracious invitation to come to him. The hymn Jesus paid it all, for nothing good have I, whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And in rock of ages, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross, I cling naked. In other words, I don't have anything. Naked, I come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Horatius Bonar, he writes, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, O weary one. Lay down your head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was. So weary, worn, and sad Maybe that's some of you today. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. Come, ye thirsty, come and welcome God's free bounty. Glorify. You see, throughout the hymns of the church, we see this kind, gracious invitation. This is the message we take. Again, not only globally, but to our neighbors. It's a kind and gracious invitation. Come to Christ. Nothing in your hands do you bring. What a glorious statement that is. I cannot I can't go to God and say, just look at my righteousness, God. He would say, That's filthy rags. I need I need righteousness of another who has lived a perfect, sinless life for you. And then I'll accept you. Come to Him. And the satisfaction of this person that's envisioned here in Isaiah 55, these questions. Why do you spend your money for that which does not bread and labor for that which is not, does not satisfy? Chasing after the wind, as Ecclesiastes would call it. And then notice the strong language on listening or hearing. If you look at the text in verse 2, it says, listen diligently me, to me. And actually, in the Hebrew, it's just shema, shema. Hear, hear. If you want to emphasize something in the, in the Hebrew, you just keep saying the same word. Like, holy, holy, holy It's the Lord of hosts. So hear, hear, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food, this banquet, as it were. And this is a sign of God's blessing. Come into this this relationship, come to the Lord, and there's a divine blessing upon you. He is good and gracious. He loves to bless his children. Don't think of blessing just in material ways. Sometimes we know blessing to come through and pain too although we don't often see it at first but he says incline your ear literally stretch out your ear if you could stretch out your ear incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and that's the, really the point here that your soul would live I wonder this morning when I woke up and I was thinking about this text and said, is my soul alive to the things of God today Do I want to be in his house? Do I want to hear from him and his word? And so often, I think in my life, I, I don't have this vitality in my soul. And here, come to him that your soul may live. Come to him. How do you come to him? Through his word, in prayer, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. You come to him through the means of grace that he has provided. That your soul may live. And hearing this word, so it is is a gracious invitation to us because we don't deserve it it's a covenantal invitation and if you look in the text when he mentions david and he says in verse 3 and i will make with you an everlasting covenant my sure my steadfast sure love for david and of course we know that Christ would come as that royal Messiah as the truer and greater David. In fact, uh, this verse here is quoted in Acts 13, where Paul is preaching in his first missionary journey. he's with Barnabas, and he preaches and he quotes this verse regarding David, and then points to Christ as the greater David. In fact, if you go and you look, and you don't have time to do this now, but if you go and look in Luke chapter one, the Gospel of Luke, Luke quotes... The covenant made with David back in 2 Samuel 7. He quotes it saying, this came true in the birth of Christ. Because here we have not only the prophet and the priest, but the king. And he's pointing to Jesus here. And the reason that I say that is not only because this points to Christ specifically in Acts 13 in the New Testament. But the you, the you here. Behold, I made him, talking about David... And then he switches to the you in verse 5. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know. And a nation that did not know you shall run to you. To whom are the nations going by faith? It would be the Lord Jesus. The Messiah to come. This is the message we take. This is the message we take. These benefits in this covenantal invitation and relationship that he mentions here, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. That's not just a message we take. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, maybe he's interesting to you, but you don't know him relationally. Or maybe you've grown up in the church. I was in the church from the womb. And I was in the church for many years until I came to Saving Faith one day, 1999, July 27th. And in that moment, recognizing and seeing a fragment of my sin, but my need for grace, my need for Jesus. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you are in Christ. I hope you are. I hope all of you are. And you love him. But no, this call comes to you. Seek the Lord. To pursue him. Not just to do what David Brainerd wrote in his journal. And he prayed, oh May I never loiter on my heavenly journey. Sometimes I feel like there's a lot of loitering happening in the evangelical church. But he says here to return to the Lord. And maybe some of you need to return to the Lord today. Maybe you've been wandering and you need to return to him. And it says in the text here, return to the Lord. He would have compassion on you for he will abundantly pardon. I love that you do assurance of pardon here you hear that declaration of God that though yes your sins are many that his mercy is more this invitation is covenantal it is so God focused our missions needs to be God focused so much of missions practice today is only about human man wisdom And not really searching the scriptures and seeing how is God at work in saving sinners. And as people go out and preaching the gospel, because faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing the word of Christ. We trust in the Lord. And this is part of the confidence piece. But this is so God-centered. We see his steadfast love highlighted in verse 3. His holiness in verse 5. His compassion in verse 7. His sovereignty in verse 11. His faithfulness in verse 13. And maybe, in particular, his wisdom, his wisdom in verse 9 and 10, or 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. We can come up with all kinds of programs and spreading the gospel and all kinds of seven ways to get people into your church. If you're on the mission field or if you are here in the United States he's saying your ways are not my ways your thoughts are not my thoughts my ways and my thoughts are higher than your ways and your thoughts actually in ephesians chapter 3 paul would write of the manifold wisdom of god and it, what's interesting is an in old testament translation in the greek that word manifold is used in jesus code of many colors the manifold colors this idea that you have this tapestry of God's wisdom and all the threads. You and I, when we get cancer, when we go through suffering and affliction, we, don't, we see maybe one or two threads, but we don't step back. We can't see the full tapestry as it's laid out. And God is saying here, trust in my wisdom. Trust in my wisdom today. This is the invitation. This is the message that we take to the nations. And it is for all people. Note in verse one, it says, come everyone who thirsts, because the good news is not just for the Jew, it's for the Gentiles, not just for the rich, but for the poor. It's for the male and female. It is for everyone. Come everyone who thirsts. This Messiah who would come is this pointing, is the message that we take, because our trust and our hope is in him, but also is the confidence that we have is the confidence that we have to go. My confidence, when I've gone on mission trips, and I've led several from this church to the other places, and some of you went with me. My confidence when we go on a mission trip, or my confidence when I'm preaching even this morning, or when we send out missionaries, is that it's not in their efforts. In fact, 1 Corinthians 3.7 says that, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So what do we do? Because we believe that God is sovereign and gracious to save, and he's sovereign and gracious to sanctify us. So then if he's doing all the work, then what do I do? In missions, what do I do? Well, my role, my calling, and your calling, is to be faithful to the means by which he is at work. Be faithful to the means by which he is at work. And the emphasis in this text is on his word. It's on his word. I think today, sometimes we think, well, I'll give a portion of that word, and it's a, it's a danger that I think maybe the evangelical church has fallen into today, where I want to be selective on the parts of the Bible that I like, and I want to completely ignore other portions of the Bible. In other words, I'm functionally embarrassed by certain portions of Scripture. We don't need to be. You can say with Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, come what may. Yes, you're going to be persecuted. Anyone who lives, desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you're not facing persecution, even in America, even to a little bit, some ridicule on occasion, either you never talk about your faith, typically, or there's, there's a compromise in the actual communication of that faith. Paul said, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And here, what is, this, what is happening with this word? If you look at verse 10 in the text, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return back up to heaven, but water the earth. In other, in other words, the rain and the snow, it has an effect on the ground. It produces something. He says, in the same way, verse 11, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I I sent it. This is good news. I can't tell you how grateful I am, even in this church, to be in a denomination in churches that believe. I can, I can preach the gospel. Maybe some of you might be offended. Maybe some of you might be encouraged. It's the same message, but I trust the Spirit to do his work. He is the one who is at work. I have great confidence in that. And this is what he's saying here, as the word goes out, it has an effect. In fact, also in Acts 13, where this passage is quoted, in verse 48, you can go look this up later, but in Acts thirteen forty-eight, where Paul and Barnabas are preaching the gospel, the Jews reject it, they turn to the Gentiles, and it says, as when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. That's what it says. So they were, what are Paul and Barnabas doing? They were preaching. What was God doing? He was saving sinners. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. He had every confidence. At one point he was wanting to leave Corinth and God came to him. The Lord came to him and said, don't leave Corinth. Keep preaching here, Paul, because I have many in this city who are my people. And faith comes by hearing. The word goes out. So when we go out and we send missionaries out and we support missionaries... We want primarily, we want them to be preaching the good news of Jesus. There's a lot of great ministries out there. There's a lot of things that we can support, and they're good. Coffee shop ministries, all kinds of, I mentioned some of them earlier, justice issues. We can support a lot of good things. But if we support all these other good deeds and loving others and planting gardens and building houses and all of these things, and we're not preaching the gospel and we're not gathering them into local churches, we failed in the mission. We failed in the mission. Alec Motyer, he says, the Bible reveals God's thoughts and ways, sets his targets, voices his promises, and is powerful to achieve what it expresses. That's the mission of the church to make disciples. Well, I love how this text ends. Because as a lot of the prophets, as as they prophesy, and you probably know this, but they'll look out, as it were, uh, from a mountaintop range. If you ever go to like a smoky mountains and you look out over the the mountaintops and you're let's see you go up to the top of one and you're seeing, okay there's a top, there's a top Across the horizon, and and the prophets are like this because they'll see an immediate fulfillment in their own time and day. They'll see a maybe a further fulfillment when the coming of when Christ came, His first coming, and they'll see even a further fulfillment at the second coming of Christ. And that's what's envisioned here at the end of Isaiah fifty-five. It says, verse twelve: For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills. Before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. What an image this is. Where do you have this image of the creation rejoicing? Well, we know that right now, it says in Romans 8, that the present creation is in bondage to decay and corruption. So what could this be talking about? Well, if you go on and keep looking at verse 13, it says, Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. It's talking about a time to come when there will be a reversal, a rolling back of the curse. Where did the thorns and the thistles and the disease and the cancer come from and death? At the fall. We see it specifically mentioned. And it's m- mentioning these thorns and thistles changing. changing and being replaced. Because one day, the creation, now in bondage to decay, will be made new, and that curse will be rolled back, and the thorns and thistles will be replaced by the evergreens of life and peace forever. One day, the Lord will usher in the new heavens and the new earth. On one day, this present darkness will give way to light and life everlasting. One day, all the ransomed church of God, that Christ, who is called worthy as a lamb, as ransomed from every tribe and language and people and nation, be gathered together. And one day the Lord will set a heavenly banquet before us, and we will feast in the house of Zion forever. Let me give you just a couple of closing takeaways. One, the invitation that's in this text is for all of us. So, can I... Say to you, and under the authority of the word here, come to Christ. If you are outside of Christ for the first time, the call, the free offer of the gospel. Yes, we believe in election and all of that. We're good Presbyterians. But we also believe in the free offer of the gospel. Come to Christ. Embrace Christ. Forsake your ways, your wicked ways, as the text says, and run to him. But also invite those with whom you live, work, and play into your homes, into the church. Speak a word of Jesus to them. Speak truth and love. Someone said that the greatest challenge of the church today is speaking truth and love. Because we're either, either so afraid of offending someone that we never speak truth. <laughs> or that we're so concerned with truth that we just want to carve up the opposition. We don't even care or love them. But speak truth in love. Be always ready to give a defense for the hope that you have in Christ. But do so with gentleness and respect. Number two, consider giving financially toward missions. I'm sure most of you do or many of you do. But this is a way that we can send. Not everyone is called to go. We need to send. We need to send. In fact, Jesus says there's actually only one sign of the end of the, of the age. The end times. People are like, always searching about end times and trying to figure out what's going what's gonna to happen. And if you go look at Matthew 24, it gives a lot of things that, are say, that he says are the beginnings of the birth pangs, wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and all of that. But then he says there's one thing that will happen. That the gospel will be proclaimed among all nations. And he says then the end will come. Well, We know the end has not come yet, which means what? That we're still on mission. We still need to send. We still need to go. We still need to support. Number three, we need to pray. Pray that the Lord would raise up workers for the harvest. Maybe this morning, he is calling one of you or a family here to go. I've, I, I know of, of people who are about to retire, and they're thinking, you know, I've got 15, whatever, 20 more years that the Lord allows in my life. And maybe I don't want to just drive a golf cart around, although I do love seeing them here. Maybe I want to go to the mission field. Maybe I just want to sell what I have, move on the mission field, go to an unreached people group, give my life service of Christ until I don't have a life anymore, until he comes or he calls me home. pray that God would give us all boldness and humility and wisdom. I'm going to close by just reading a verse from Revelation 22, the very last chapter of the Bible. I'll close with this. Revelation 22. And it says, Jesus is speaking. He says, I, verse 16, I am the root and the descendant of David. The bright morning star. He says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, Come. Did you get that? Let the one who is hearing and listening say to others, come. (laughs) And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life. Listen, without price. Because that price has been paid. The wages of your sin and my sin has been paid fully. The cross. Oh, may we strive to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ among all nations faithfully making disciples of Jesus and planting churches so that all those nations would truly glorify God and enjoy him forever. Let's pray together. Oh God, we are insufficient for these things, and I pray that you would remind us that we are but clay pots, easily broken, but yet you're sufficient, your grace is sufficient for us. God, I pray that you would humble us, that you would remind us of that gracious invitation and call that has come to us at one point in our lives if we are your children. God, I pray that we would be faithful in that message and not tamper with the message but to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints and that we would have the great confidence that you are at work as that word goes out, that it would not return empty or void but would accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. God, I pray that you would bless this church, Carriage Lane. Oh, God, would you pour out your spirit upon this church, that you would give them a holy desire to see the name and the fame of Jesus expand to the ends of this world. We pray this in his strong name.